This is exactly right. Parents writing to me, the filmmaker who's just launched the movie about giftedness, telegraphing to me very sad and traumatic stories that, that they're facing with their with their complex kid, right? And those emails touched me tremendously in those first few weeks and really showed me, you know what, we're on to something. And, and if this takes two years, four years, six years, or 10 years, it has to be right. We have to get this right so those families don't feel so targeted or underrepresented or marginalized because they have a kid who's smart and complex. Welcome to Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. I am Dr. Dan. This show is about making the world a more loving, accepting, and compassionate place, one parent, one person, and one child at a time. The key to raising healthy and engaged kids is for parents to seek the same in their own lives while striving to be the best versions of themselves each day. No matter who you are or where you came from, with increased awareness, you can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint for your children, your family, and all those you care about while living your own life to the fullest. Today's show is a long time in the making. It is the G Word documentary and gifted, talented, neurodiverse awareness week with my friend and colleague, Mark Smallwitz. Mark is a multi-award winning director, producer, and executive producer who has been significantly involved in over 50 successful independent films. The combined footprint of his works has touched over 250 film festivals and markets on five continents, yielding substantial worldwide sales to theatrical television and VOD outlets, notable box office receipts, and numerous awards and nominations. His credits include films that have screened at the world's top-tier festivals such as Sundance, Berlin, Venice, and Tribeca, among many, many others. In 2009, Mark founded 13th Gen, a San Francisco-based boutique film and entertainment company that works with a dynamic range of independent film partners globally to oversee the financing, production, post-production, marketing, sales, and distribution efforts of a vibrant portfolio of films and filmmakers. The company has successfully advanced Mark's career-long focus on powerful social issue filmmaking across all genres. In 2016, Mark received one of the most prestigious Gotham Media Fellowships to attend the Cannes Film Festival's Producer Network, making him as one of the U.S.'s most influential independent film producers. And currently, Mark is in post-production on The G Word, a feature-length documentary that aims to be the most comprehensive film ever made on the topics of gifted, talented, and neurodiverse education across the United States. The film asks the urgent equity question, in the 21st century, who gets to be gifted in America and why? Mark, welcome at last to the show. Thank you, Dr. Dan. It's my joy to finally be here with you on your podcast. Um, wow, that's quite a quite a bio. I need to I need to trim that for people like you to make it more you know more concise. That but, uh, that there's a lot of really important things there, and I have to you know take credit for it. I I always look to trim, and I'm like, no, I need that. I need that. I need that. That's important. So anyways, yeah, if you you could help people like me, because it all seems so important. And knowing you as I do, um, the mission behind your work um, 
which has spanned over decades and just building is so important. Um, and it, it leads me to, you know, I've never actually asked you this question. Um, what got you, what, what were the influences to get you into film and filmmaking in, in the first place? I mean, it's a great question. I always sort of attribute it to this really sort of defining moment, which was the first quarter at college at UC Santa Cruz in the fall of 1986. Um, I was a kid that pretty much grew up in Los Angeles. So Hollywood was right there outside my door. A mm -hmm. lot of the kids I grew up around had parents in the business. My parents were not in the business. But that sense of proximity to entertainment was always right there. Um, you know, I went to junior high with Molly Ringwald, Ringwald you know, like uh, sort of there. Yep, Cuba, yes. Cuba, Cuba Gooding was in my high school class. You know, so this was, this oh, was wow. sort of right, right, yeah. right around me, right? Um, yeah. At UC Santa Cruz in that first quarter, um, I took three classes that probably define me to this day <laughs> in every way. Um, they were Arts in a Multicultural Society, which was the required writing class. Um, mm -hmm. Intro to feminism, and then a film class called the Film Experience. And I had always been a guy who was interested in theater. I had done a lot of acting and theater directing and that kind of thing in high school. And that first class, the Film Experience, just kind of blew my mind. Um, it had mm -hmm. me thinking about film and cinema in a whole new way that sort of connected in pretty big ways to the other two classes I were I was taking, the one on feminism and the one on arts in, in a multicultural society. So so basically, by the time I got home from, you know, for winter break in December, I was telling mom and dad, I want to be a film major, right? Um, mm. And mom said, oh, I thought you wanted to be an actor and, you know, a theater major. And, you know, it's like, I think I quickly realized I had more power from behind the camera maybe than in front of it, right? So mm. so that's when the journey really started. And I got an undergraduate degree in film at UC Santa Cruz in the late 80s. I landed in San Francisco in 1990, got my first jobs in film production right away. And here we are, 32 years here later and more than, more than 50 movies later. Um, it's, it's, I'm a guy that wow. wakes up every day and I get to do the job I love and the thing that I'm most passionate about, which is movies. So I'm really pretty fortunate guy. And, uh, I've been able to experience your passion over the last several years on a regular basis, um, with the current documentary and knowing about other works that you've done and that you've, you've shared with me. When did the social focus. It was, has that always been a part of your mission and passion? Yes, absolutely. So when I landed in San Francisco, you know, in 1990, I landed in the middle of the AIDS crisis. You know, it was, mm -hmm. you know, right here. I actually got an apartment in the Castro district, you know, uh, which was really, you know, an empty place because so many people had died of AIDS in the 80s. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was part of a new generation that landed in San Francisco, the Gen X kids, queer kids, we were called. And mm -hmm. we livened up the place with our activism. I joined ACT UP and Queer Nation. And those were formative experiences um, in grassroots social change and social movements. I had always been a young activist. I was very involved in activism at school. But it was different once I had actually moved to the city and I had landed here as a young adult and I was sort of in a movement that was about fighting for our lives, right? Mm -hmm. um, that experience in the AIDS social movement as a young person um, defines me to this day. Um, I you know, kind of got activism in sort of the DNA of my life and my soul. And, and so there was no way that the films that I was going to make weren't going to kind of be a part of that story. And, mm -hmm. and that, so that was sort of, you know, that sort of naturally evolved through the 90s. And as I developed a film career, that social focus became pretty 
you know, pretty much a center for how, you know, how I chose projects, what got me excited. And I've made movies about many different social issues, right? So, you know, we're here today mm -hmm. to talk about the G word, which is a film about mm -hmm. giftedness, but I've made movies about LGBTQ issues, HIV and AIDS, poverty, mental health and post-traumatic stress disorder, um, mm -hmm. cystic fibrosis and organ donation. I mean, if you look at my IMDb, you're going to see lots of different movies that are all about different social issues. And, you know, occasionally there's a comedy in there. There's something that's meant to just yeah. you know, be pure fun and pure entertainment. But, but really the large volume of my portfolio is uh, works on social issues because I want to make movies that change hearts and minds about important topics. Um, they mm. need to be good movies. They need to be entertaining movies if they're going to reach a public, you know, that cares about them. Um, mm -hmm. But that social issue focus has really been the lens in, that I bring as a storyteller, how I choose projects, the things that kind of get me excited to wake up every day and do my job um, are the social issues. And so, yeah, it's that's that's my mm. focus. How did the G word or the concept of giftedness um how did that trigger you, speak to you? Yeah, so um, I always tell the story that in 2012, which is now 10 years ago, hard to believe, <laughs> yeah. an email yeah. landed in my inbox from a very sweet man called Ron Turriello. And Ron had actually been a major donor on an earlier film, the film I made called The Power of Two, which was about cystic fibrosis and, and organ donation. And we had gotten to know each other, you know, through that project. And he reached out to me and was sort of telegraphing uh, what he called the social emotional struggles of his own kids and other kids and parents at his at the gifted school where his kids were going in Silicon Valley. Um, that school is one I think you may know of, Dan, it's called Helios. And when he wrote me about that, you know, there were a couple of things in the email. Um, it's sort of immediately piqued my interest because I had been a gifted kid in the 1970s in, in New Jersey before we moved to Los Angeles. I was a product mm -hmm. of the elementary school system in, in New Jersey, which had really strong gifted programs. And so I was that one of those kids that got pulled out twice a week to go into a gifted classroom with other smart kids. And I'll tell you, that was a hugely positive and affirming experience for me. Um, that was mm -hmm. a time when gifted programs were better funded. Um, yep. And I was a middle class kid, very middle class, um, who was, you know, met where I where I was by my teachers and those other students. And I really blossomed as a result of that. So so when he was telling me about social emotional problems at his kids private gifted school, that sort of, you know, sort of was a head scratcher. Like, why are the smart kids yeah. struggling? Right. Right. And so in good faith, I went down there um, and met the kids, met the parents, met some of the teachers and the principal. And it really sort of struck me that that these kids were struggling. And and I kind of went to that place that the social issue filmmaker immediately what goes to. And I asked the question, well, if the rich affluent kids and families are struggling, what happens when there are no resources, <laughs> right? So that's mm -hmm. exactly how the G Word movie kind of started to become a concept was okay, so there's something real going on here in these affluent schools. I'm curious about what goes on in the black and brown and poor communities or the kids that don't have resources, right? Are they even, is giftedness and like high achieving issues, or are they even in the room with these kids, right? So mm -hmm. I began a journey over several years with kind of Ron's support and, and interest to develop a film that would sort of look at giftedness in that kind of way, right? 
And, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't know what I was in for. I just started reading every book, meeting with tons of people mm-hmm. like you in the space to build relationships mm-hmm. and understand, you know, what movie do I want to make about this, right? What movie would actually add value? What movie would be meaningful? What movie could change hearts and minds? What was even the issue that we needed to change hearts and minds about? And it wasn't until 2016, four years later, that I finally landed on the movie that I wanted to make with Ron. And that movie was the G word. And it was based on a question, which is who gets to be gifted in America and why? And I'm not Mm -hmm. even sure if, you know, equity was as sort of much of a buzzword in 2016 as it is now when I was leaning into Mm -hmm. it. But the concepts of diversity, equity and inclusion have been in the room in my work for 30 years. You know, I didn't right. just wake up in 2016 and start thinking about equity. And so I've always been interested in equity as a concept and how we bring equity into all aspects of our lives, you know, professionally, yeah. in social yeah. situations, in civil society at large. And so it was very natural for me to ask the question from an equity lens. And then I had to figure out, okay, well, how are we going to answer that question? Right. Mm -hmm. And the way I decided to answer it was to find stories, to find them all around the country. And that took time. Mm -hmm. That took deep, deep research, relationship building. And I wanted to uncover things that were surprising to me and so would in turn be surprising to my eventual audience. So where we eventually landed was we found six stories. Um, They're a beautiful combination of, of, of urban, suburban and rural places on the map across this great nation. And the kind of the gestalt around the film is the G word will take you to places and spaces across this great nation where you don't expect to encounter giftedness or the kind of giftedness that you will encounter will surprise you. It will delight you. It will disarm you. It will make you rethink what giftedness Mm -hmm. really is in the 21st century. And, and so that's what we've done. And so I, I, before you tell us about each of these, um, these places and people, I am curious with what your understanding or what you thought giftedness or the G word was before embarking on this and what you think it is now. Oh my God, that's such a great question. Um, you know, I, I developed a nuanced perspective on giftedness over time, right? I showed up just wondering even what is it, right? I knew I had been a gifted kid. I had benefited from that. I knew these kids were struggling over here. I knew these kids didn't have access over here, but, but I wasn't involved or engaged in sort of the complexity of what the gifted field has been working on for decades prior prior to my showing up. So, so Mm -hmm. I try to be a really deep, deeply researched filmmaker before I even show up to start interviewing anybody. So, so I was, you know, reading books about overexcitabilities and living with intensities and, you know, the whole concept of the profoundly gifted child. I was reading books about the history of intelligence and giftedness. I was looking at, you know, sort of what does the IQ mean and how, how is giftedness measured? I was looking at, you know, people like Julian Stanley in the 20th century who were, you know, testing the, you know, the precocious math boys. I was, you know, I I mean, trust me, Dan, I have read everything. I am like a sponge anyway. And I knew I couldn't make this movie if I wasn't probably, you know, like a very deeply informed expert on these subjects and topics. And, and something that I noticed very early on, and this happened when I went to a a PG retreat in Colorado with Ron, Mm -hmm. he took me as a guest and we kind of met people and networked and introduced the project. 
where I saw this sort of stress and the pain of some of the parents and the yeah. children around sort of the, you know, the sort of stereotypes that come with giftedness, the misunderstanding that comes with giftedness. Again, there were lots of wealthy families there struggling. And there was a kind of a, you know, a sort of tough love posture on the movie. Like, you know, if you're going to make a movie, like it better be a good one and get this right. And then I was told, mm -hmm. you know, stories from, you know, gifted leadership, you know, folks like you had off the record conversations with me about how journalists had taken their stories and misrepresented what had been said. And so, so mm -hmm. I felt the sort of the pain and the trauma mm -hmm. in the gifted spaces that I was encountering. And that sort of said two things to me. We, you know, I have a certain responsibility to get this right because these people have to trust that I'm the right filmmaker and I have to walk that walk with them. And that will take years, you know, to make a movie that matters for the most important stakeholders who care about this stuff. But it mm -hmm. also showed me something pretty interesting, which is probably why I decided I was the right filmmaker to make this movie about giftedness, was that I have actually lived in, I've had my own narratives with trauma. While my trauma is mm -hmm. not so much about my giftedness, although some people might think it, it's connected to that because there's no way your giftedness isn't connected to everything about your identity. I have had some pretty traumatic things happen to me in my life, you know, and that's, um, and also in my family history. Mm -hmm. um, the short version is my mother and grandparents were Holocaust survivors from Poland. And that's a hugely mm -hmm. traumatic thing that is in our family that is right. all over my body. It's all over my DNA. DNA, um, right. Yeah, that's a huge piece of my story, which is another podcast for another time. Um, mm -hmm. I'm also openly gay and queer. And there's, you know, you can't be openly gay and queer and be my generation and not have had some amount of trauma with that in your story. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I also became HIV positive and I'm living with AIDS. Right. Mm -hmm. And I almost died of AIDS twice. And that was a hugely mm -hmm. traumatic part of my story and my journey. And here I am and I'm mm -hmm. you know, very good health and I'm a survivor. But but those bits and bobs of trauma that have peppered through my own personal narrative really mm -hmm. are a part of the why that I felt I could be of service to the gifted community that also faces trauma. The gifted, mm -hmm. the G word needed to be made by a filmmaker who brings a certain kind of sensitivity to trauma. Um, and, right. and I'm also someone who has a certain kind of resiliency and a sense of empowerment, empowerment that's tied to my activism. So. I don't know if I often know why I'm lucky enough to have those things. And, you know, I haven't been completely, mm -hmm. you know, beaten down by my traumatic story, but rather have been able to kind of push through and find my voice and help others find their mm -hmm. voice. And so, so I took on the project of trying to use the G word documentary as also an opportunity to empower communities that are already doing deep work in, in this space. And, mm -hmm. and so what I, but the big epiphany about giftedness was really, was really twice exceptionality. Right. So in 2015, yep. Yep. That's when I got the deep introduction to 2E and Twice Exceptional, right? And then eventually 3E and Twice Exceptional. Um, right. And once once the idea that giftedness could actually, you know, coexist alongside learning differences, and yeah. that was a population that was in the room around this movie, that became extremely interesting to me. And there was mm -hmm. uh, very quickly a kind of movement in motion that emerged in front of me with characters yeah. and stories about these twice exceptional kids and families and the people who try to meet their needs like yourself, right? Um, mm -hmm. Who inspired me and I saw, and when, whenever you see a movement in motion, there's stories there, there's, there's narrative yeah. there. You see people mm -hmm. evolve and grow over time. And so, all these six stories that we have in the movie, they have they have twice exceptionality and neurodiversity kind of embedded all throughout. I mean, some are more kind of hyper-focused on that than others, 
But I would say that neurodiversity and exceptionality narratives are across all of them. And we have met these mm -hmm. people at every age and every stage of life, everywhere we go. So, yeah. um, so yeah. that part yeah. of giftedness got me really excited because it started to really look like, wow, there's a lot of people in the room here that we really don't expect to see. And, mm -hmm. and then when I realized that a lot of those children were being wrongly placed in special ed classrooms and being crushed by that story, that right. I saw, wow, if we could fix that problem and if the movie could be in yeah. service of that, then we actually, yeah. I mean, think of the societal benefit, right? If we could meet these complex kids where they are and adults where they are, think of the societal benefit. So that's always been kind of my guiding, yes. my, my guiding light. Of course, you're firing me up with those words. And we connected very much on the twice exceptionality and through this film. Mm -hmm. um, I want to, for our listeners, I wanted to say a few little definitions for those of you who are newer to the G word and this concept. So Mark talked about the PG retreat. PG is profoundly gifted. And in terms of levels of giftedness, there's all these misconceptions about, you know, it just means you're smart. And, um, We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that, but there's different levels of giftedness based on your different levels of intellectual, academic, and other functioning from um, moderately to um, highly to exceptionally to profoundly. And the higher you go, the more different you are from whatever the norm or typical development is. And then twice exceptionality, as Mark pointed out, is... Basically, most of the famous people and inventors that we know in history were twice exceptional. They were incredibly um, intelligent, um, if not genius, but you don't have to be genius to be gifted. And they also had some terms of some type of learning profile, dyslexia, ADD, auditory processing, visual processing, and also, as Mark talked about, thrice exceptional or multi-exceptional, you bipolar disorder, depression, anxiety, another... Um, developmental issue, um, autism. Um, so these are complex people, um, who are all seemingly put into a box and it's not necessarily the gifted. How can we help you and advance you and meet your needs box? It's kind of the general factory box of society that we're all sort of thrown into. Right, right. No. And, and for me, you know, what I was affirming as I've been making the movie, and I think our society at large is really affirming this is that the numbers of people that you just described are, there's a huge amount of them, right? A huge, huge amount of us. So let's say it that mm -hmm. way, right? And, yes. you know, yeah. people who are, who are more complex than not, who are more neuro neurodiverse than not, right? And in that way, this is the neurodiverse century, right? So, yes. so one, of the, one of the sort of big inquiries in the movie looks at sort of how we've been overburdened by sort of traditional measurements of IQ in the 20th century. And that in this century, we're kind of rethinking those things in kind of really interesting and creative ways. And we're looking at, way, at measurements that are actually more inclusive, less informed by bias, and actually honoring that not every gifted child or gifted person looks and sounds and behaves in the same way, right? Like you could have mm -hmm. a gifted child that's nonverbal. How would you assess that child, right? So, mm -hmm. so we are finding ourselves in a century where there's a real openness to how intelligence and the brain even work. And mm -hmm. that's an incredibly exciting time to be in this telling stories in this space. Right. And, mm -hmm. but for me, what got me super excited in charge was when identity entered the conversation of get around giftedness. So all this stuff that we've been describing the last few minutes, it intersects with your race, gender, sex, class, and zip code. Mm 
Okay, so those five things are in our movie in a significant way um, by design because that's of interest to me, but because I believe, and I think I'm right, and I'm going to try to tell you a movie that sort of affirms these things, is that our intelligence, our giftedness, our neurodiversity, our brain, our creativity, all these parts of ourselves are not separate from those aspects of our identity and lived experience. So if you show up and you're a Spanish speaker, you're a recent immigrant, you know, you're also twice exceptional, you know, you're all these different things when you walk into that classroom, right? When, you know, like you, you cannot not be that whole person, that very complex mm -hmm. and nuanced person. And this century, the 21st century is the most diverse century in the history of the planet, right? And this country mm -hmm. is seeing those changes unfold in real time. And so our movie is up against that backdrop too, right? And that that's mm -hmm. what kind of gave our movie a decidedly urgent, you know, aspect to it. Um, which has been, you know, pretty exciting to be a part of that moment. Um, I will say just for your listeners to understand that, you know, funding and making a documentary of this scope takes time. You know, I am mm -hmm. not a filmmaker who has just been making one movie for the last seven to 10 years, right? I've, I have a vibrant film company. We, you talked about my work in the beginning. I'm typically involved in 10 or more films at any given time. And I wear the hat of a of a producer and an executive producer on those projects. So I'm taking a very entrepreneurial approach to helping other filmmakers get their visions on screen when I do that. This is me, the G word is me. I'm both the director and the yeah. producer, right? And so mm -hmm. this yeah. one is coming out of my own experience. It's coming out of my blood, sweat and tears and I have to get this right. Um, we've had to raise, you know, I mean, we've raised, you know, more than $1.1 million over the last seven years. And and we have about 200000 more left to get the movie done right. But we are in post-production and we're putting these stories together now. And I'm excited and it's a vibrant and creative time. But I also feel this great sense of responsibility to get this right. Right. right? Um, yeah. yeah. The other piece that I'll share is that, you know, that activism part of my life that we talked about, that social change interest. Well, that has manifested in my film career in very concrete ways where I kind of call myself an impact producer um, or a producer who's interested in, in making impact with the films. Right. And and interestingly, the impact producer job has actually emerged as like a real job in a movie. Like it, it can be like huh. just someone does just that. But I sort of bring impact into everything I do across all the movies we make here. With the G word, we have been working on our impact enterprise for the last three years, right? So we have a very large global advisory network. We have a very large group of partners from around the world. We have 80 paid partners that have signed up with us that believe in the, in the mission and vision and values of this movie and the movement that we're trying to support around it. And so mm -hmm. we are creating and supporting a very vibrant community that I'm very, I'm very proud that we, that we're a part of that sort of community support and Yes, that people yes. find find us, and and that also came out of you know when we first announced the movie in 2016, and we launched our website and our first video promo and our first social channels. Like, I was blown away that we we were getting mm -hmm. emails. You know, I always say this from Singapore to Switzerland. Like, I was hearing from the entire world in those first few weeks. Parents, mm -hmm. you know, our podcast today is about parents, right? Parents right. writing to me, the filmmaker who's just launched the movie about giftedness telegraphing to me very sad and traumatic stories that, that they're facing right. with their with right. their complex kid, right? And right. those emails touched me tremendously in those first few mm -hmm. weeks and really showed me, you know what, we're on to something. And, and mm -hmm. if this takes two years, four years, six years, or 10 years, it has to be right. 
We have to get yeah. this right. So those families don't feel so targeted or underrepresented or marginalized because they have a kid who's smart and complex. Right. And so, yeah. 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 And I just want to validate um, your that this movie is like you this you are all in like you are all in in this movie. Um, and um, I'll, I'll speak for the masses of those who have um, call ourselves colleagues and are on the team. Um, everyone agrees that you are all in and this it's it is become a movement. We are we're also talking about Gifted, Talented, Neurodiverse Awareness Week, or GTN Awareness Week, which is the show is launching at the end of the week in late October. It's a movement. So, what? How has this? How has this film and these stories and these narratives also turned into now what is going to be an international second, the, the second annual GTN Week? It's such a great question. And I think a lot of people wonder, why are we even doing it? Right. And, you know, for me, one of the things I've really noticed over many years of making these movies about social issues is that the calendar is everything. Right. You know, like take LGBTQ Pride Month. Right. Every year in June, the queer communities come together and we have a month that's ours to celebrate who we are. And there's just tons of awareness building and tons of programming and tons of efforts to have visibility and celebrations and and really let that month be our month because the other 11 just, you know, somehow aren't right. Um, that is not unique to the gay community or the queer community, right? That is something that happens across all communities, all issue areas, right? You know, awareness mm -hmm. days, awareness weeks, awareness months, every dynamic community has them, right? If you go to the Ad Council website, which is this not-for-profit agency that produces PSAs for different causes, they have a calendar there that walks you through. I mean, there's scarcely a day in the year that there isn't an, a, you know, some awareness day for some group somewhere. And guess what? For that group of folks, it matters. It matters tremendously mm -hmm. to have a chance to focus on themselves and, and to fundraise and to market and to engage people who don't necessarily understand the cause, right? Sometimes it's big mm -hmm. causes like cancer awareness and, you know, really big causes, you know, you know, uh, World AIDS Day is December 1st every year. I'm always doing things on that day. And, and it's a very important mm -hmm. day for me, right? I noticed that there were kind of sort of, you know, fits and starts and sort of smaller attempts to create a gifted awareness week, right? Mm -hmm. And I saw mm -hmm. some states having like, you know, governor proclamations. And so there were definitely movements afoot to kind of create that awareness, but there wasn't anyone that had sort of stepped in and said, like, let's have a gifted awareness week for the gifted communities at large to celebrate ourselves and each other and try to begin the larger public project of creating more awareness, more understanding, um, through that effort to celebrate and to, you know, kind of have our pride week, if you will, right, for the gifted yeah. community. Yes. And for us, we felt it was extremely important to use the words talented and neurodiverse because I just, I, I see those two words all the time in this space. Mm -hmm. and, um, mm -hmm. and we know that the word gifted is really troubling and misunderstood by so many. And the G word. Us, it is the G word. Yeah, we call the movie the G word for that exact reason. It kind of exactly. riffs on right. the concept of the F word, right? It's a word you can't exactly. say out loud. You shouldn't say it in public. And you can't. And well, when people say it, they'll feel uncomfortable, right? So right. knowing right. that the word gifted is, is, is a tough one for people, the word talented seems to land easier and kind of opens up the conversation with many. 
And the word neurodiverse was critically important because we have to show and walk the walk that that the gifted talented equation involves that, right? And mm-hmm. and we and and the neurodiverse communities aren't always 100% on board giftedness. So by us saying GTN and giving them all three weight, it sort of says to those folks, you know what? Giftedness is a part of your conversation and you are a part of our conversation. And so, right, right. so last year we did five days of free virtual programming that was, you know, amazing. And it was, you know, we had more than 2000 people register from 16 countries. It kind of blew our minds. Right. And I think that, mm-hmm. you know, it was in part because of the pandemic. We were still in year two and people were really engaging virtually and needing needing that sense of connection. Um, but the programming was extremely, you know, it has shelf life. Like people can, you know, we can put the link in your show notes to last year's archive. And there are great mm-hmm. webinars about sort of, you know, what I call kind of giftedness 101 topics that will always be relevant for people. If they have shelf life, they're evergreen. People can watch those webinars and and learn about what it's like to be gifted in LGBTQ+, learn about what it's like to be gifted in Latinx, and learn about what, it, you know, what, what some of the legislative things that are going on, you know, around the country. Or, you know, we, we tried to create programming that would have that shelf life and that staying power. So the communities that are interested everywhere can just return to it, use it. And we hear people, we hear about on our social channels, people using it, teachers and districts and principals using it. You know, it's, it's such an inspiration to know that the, that the content has shelf life and that people can keep like, mm-hmm. engaging with it and re-engaging with it. This year, we've decided to do something a little different for our second edition, like knowing full well that that content is there. It's on the shelf. It's available online for free. People can enjoy it. We also realized that the pandemic was getting easier a little bit and people were getting back in person and back in community. So we decided to take a kind of distributed approach to GTN Awareness Week everywhere where we're working with our advisors and partners to do some in-person events, right? And I'm going to mm-hmm. drop in on some of those and, you know, in on Zoom and be, be virtually involved in, in in-person events. Um, we're going to have some virtual only events and some of those will be with people around the world. Um, and then we're going to have some events where you know i go in person and we're celebrating some things with me there too in person so it's a it's a really nice cross section of things where people can sort of pick and choose the things that they want to involve get involved with mm-hmm. but it's taking the idea of giftedness into a, into a new space and so we we um so equity for us is always in the room so so our tagline this year is bringing joy and equity into focus right so gtn mm. awareness week bringing joy and equity into focus and and the focus nice. is obviously because we're a film endeavor um the theme of joy is something that i landed on this year because i you know for me and this goes back to the concept of trauma like there's only right. so much trauma that a community can bear right right if everything right. is just right. trauma 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 and more trauma like why even be in a community like why keep showing up mm-hmm. right the past right. couple of year cup last couple of years empowerment narratives have for me have been that how you kind of meet that trauma right i've always said in my work not just on gifted but even in other areas that that trauma and empowerment are kind of two sides of the same coin. You kind of can't have one without the other. Um, And empowerment to me is sort of the individual narrative. And then what I realized that I needed to sort of think about was what's the collective piece and that piece mm-hmm. is like is the is the celebration. It's the joy of people coming together in community. That's the communal yeah. collective piece. So this year it's kind of like a three-legged stool, mm. right? True yep. equity, true equity, 
will come will be possible for communities that care about a cause when trauma, empowerment, and joy are actually a part of what I call the three-legged stool, right? Propping up the person, propping up yes. the community, and having a reason yeah. to celebrate, just like Pride Month, right? So I'm yes. sort of you yes. know, encouraging people. You're bringing this, it this, in. You're bringing this, it in. I this, like that. Making yeah. these connections, encouraging people to come out as gifted, talented, and neurodiverse, <laughs> so to speak, and be proud and have have a sense of yeah. joy, what, joy when you show up. So so our panels are yeah. more about this year are about people's passions, right? About yeah. what gets gifted and neurodiverse and twice exceptional folks excited to show up and be in a community. And and that's the difference. That and, I, and I feel like we yeah. have we're allowed to have that kind of moment, right? Once a year, yeah. really focus yes. on ourselves and, and that kind of thing. We so. need joy. We need joy. And yes, in the face of trauma and so much suffering, um, pre and p during pandemic. Exactly. Um, we do need joy. So everyone at the end, Mark will tell you the website and where to find um, the video, the short video stories that you can then see that are so powerful, mm. um, which are just snips of hundreds and hundreds of hours of research and film. And Mark, so through all this, this is like a distilling question. Sure. I'm wondering if you could educate everyone on what are what are the ways that gifted individuals like that, that ends up with trauma? What I, I'm going to say it this way, what goes wrong that you've seen where kids come out traumatized or hurt, damaged, scarred. And also there are wonderful, joyful stories of places at places you would not even imagine that are doing it so right with, with just, it's powerful outcome. So I know that's a big question. So it's, you know, what, what goes wrong and what are people doing right? I mean, what goes wrong is sort of, I think, founded in how, you know, at least in our schools, how children are assessed for giftedness, right? So that's, that's sort of the fundamental problem that we see everywhere. And that's mm -hmm. in our movie. And in some way, actually across all six stories, testing and assessments is actually a critical part of how we kind of unpack, like how we even think about who is gifted and why and why they might be gifted, right? right? Um, right, right. And so if you can't discover a child, how can you encourage them to meet their potential, right? If you're not right, even looking right. for them, right? How can you sort of right. discover them? Um, so the whole question of are we looking, where are we looking, how, and how are we looking is sort of in the room everywhere. And I think ultimately that's a kind of perception narrative, right? We we look at a child and we sort of we put a lot of biases into sort of how we think about who we're seeing when they show up in the room, right? Now, a parent right. sends that child to school in good faith and may see one sort of child in, at home, right? Mm -hmm. And then what happens at school for six hours a day? Well, it's kind of up for grabs, right? You know, if the teaching mm -hmm. isn't meeting the child where they are, if the sort of systems of support aren't in place, and that can be incredibly complex and in very nuanced, especially when you have children yeah. with different identities showing up in classrooms in public schools, like, like mm -hmm. sometimes a child's sort of trajectory of potential gets kind of really complicated by all that stuff, right? right. And so right. just sort of, right. you know, managing a classroom can be a huge lift for a child, for a teacher, right? Mm -hmm. 
So, so really the problem of how these kids are assessed, how they are noticed or not noticed, how they are identified is, is in the room from get-go in the movie, right? We, you know, we really, Mm -hmm. you know, have found, seen that as a common thread across the movie, right? Um, But when, when it's done right, and when I, by right, I mean in nuanced and complex ways where there's deep thought, deep preparation, and a kind of understanding of the people who are the educators of like, this is the zip code we're in right? These are the students who are showing up in our school. How do we assess them uniquely Mm -hmm. or meet their needs uniquely? So for example, we go to a gifted and talented program um, on a a Native American reservation in Northern Minnesota. So there's a tribal school at the Fond du Lac reservation that has a G&T program, right? And their program is more founded on pretty you know, beautiful sense of culture and language, right? So their first order of business is to get those native kids to reconnect with their original language, which is Ojibwe, right? Which has been eviscerated from them for several generations because of all the trauma that Native Americans have experienced in our country, right? Right. Again, trauma in the room, right? So we meet these kids and the amazing teachers and administrators that try to help them and serve them. And it's through their expression as native children, learning their language, reconnecting with their history, that the giftedness conversation emerges, right? And so their gifted, their gifted conversation is about culture being woven into everything these children do, right? And there's a value that is put upon both their learned experience and their lived experience. And that was you know, hugely beautiful to witness now, their lived mm-hmm. experience, Dan, is peppered with lots of dark narratives, right? These are Native kids right. who are poor. There's drug and alcohol addiction in their families. You know, they're mm-hmm. kids without parents in the families. And and one of the things that, that they do is they, they sort of, you know, meet that head on with real support at the school, but also in their gifted program with these unique cultural focus, a unique cultural focus mm-hmm. that sort of connects these kids with each other and their sense of like their multi-generational lineage. And, you know, we mm-hmm. met their elders who come and volunteer at the Gifted and Talented program at the school, and that's inspiring, you know, and of mm-hmm. course we meet that sadness too, right? Because right. because what this, what this community has figured out is that none of these kids are going to be successful until we work out that historical trauma, right? So in our movie, there'll be some beats that kind of take you back in time and help you understand that there's like real trauma in a native gifted program that has to be worked out before these kids can even be put on a trajectory of success, right? Right, Um, Right. Now, and that is fairly nascent. Like the programs that I'm talking about, there are pretty young, pretty new, funded by Javits grants, which are the major federal funding for gifted. Um, Mm -hmm. another community that we spend time at is in the Southern Arizona desert, right at the U S Mexico border. And this community is going to blow people's minds when we showcase them. It does. It does. I mean, you know, you talked about our shorts and we have an eight minute short on our website that people can watch that introduces San Luis. The movie goes even deeper because we went back and filmed even more. And, you know, for 20 years, there has been a system of support and nurturing going on in this community where this community sends more students to CTY, Center for Talented Youth Summer Learner Camps, or advanced learners, than any other comparable district in, in the country. I mean, this is the second poorest zip code in Arizona. And these kids are yeah. from poor right. migrant farm families, you know, farm, you know, farm right. worker families. 
And many times these kids, their education is interrupted with the agro year. Like they move, they move agriculturally with their parents who are workers in the fields and they go to California and, you know, the, the migrant worker coordinators are trying to keep these kids connected to their learning opportunities. These are big issues, right? When you're, if you're a migrant kid, right. like that's a huge part of your identity. So, so, but, but San Luis is this beautiful expression of when a community is all in for the success mm-hmm. of kids. And, and so I think, you know, are all of the children in San Luis gifted? Probably not. Such right. a huge, large number of them are successful given the population. And probably what what that means is that we are encouraging and discovering a lot more gifted kids, right? As a consequence right. of the right. deep communal network of support that these schools and, and families have created down there. And it's amazing, you know, and when you see it yeah. working in a community like that, that goes so against this sort of national stereotype of what it might mean to like grow up at the border, Right. These kids are pretty remarkable. They're going off to Duke and Harvard and Princeton and, you know, and then they're coming back in a virtuous cycle way to actually reinvest Mm -hmm. in their community. It's it's a good story. That's beautiful. So in terms of the trauma or what goes wrong, you were talking about assessment. And another Mm -hmm. word that we we both use for this is identification. And so for everyone listening, when there is not a eye towards the idea that giftedness or advanced differences, neurodiversity with advanced ability is a thing. If you're not looking for it, you're not going to find it and you're not going to nurture it. And what many people don't know is what comes out of that is um, underachievement, depression, anxiety, mm. being misunderstood, not um, belonging, not being able to realize your internal uh, potential. Right. And that's when no one's even paying attention. And as you point out, Mark, when we have sort of the traditional assessment um, protocols that are supposed to be for everyone, but they're not, not everyone gets them. And then they tend to be skewed at times towards um, upper, uh, more privilege, let's just say, mm-hmm. yes. um, and misses second language learners and people who are in lower income areas. There is a huge discrimination built in. Those people that don't then get identified still have all of these negative um, outcomes. There's that. And then conversely, you have these communities, these communities who have dealt dealt with so much adversity, um, who have programs and educational cultures that are Mm -hmm. designed to not only identify, but to nurture the growth of these amazing minds. And We'll even argue that this impacts positively not just people who could be identified as gifted, but literally all of the student body. It brings everyone up. And that's one of these equity questions that always comes up. I know that you have to you know, talk about like, well, why just these people and not just these people? It, the, the way of trying to identify potential and nurture potential positively impacts all students and all humans. Uh, absolutely. And we see this in all the stories that we've encountered in the, you know, in the making of the film, in all the stories I've encountered just in the deep community work that we've done through our impact programs. There, I mean, there's like way too many stories that could ever fill one movie, right? There could be so many movies mm-hmm. and that's obviously an impossible task. But what I think is, you know, I, I try to be mindful of with what I did with my film here is I tried to choose stories that felt relatable, 
choose stories that mm-hmm. felt a word I use a lot as their exemplar, right? So, so in that curation of the six stories, in that sort of intentional, you know, kind of act of making a movie, I chose urban, suburban, and rural zip codes by design. You know, if you live in a rural place on the map, I wanted you at least to have something in the G word that might feel mm-hmm. remotely familiar in your in your experience. And, you know, if you live in an urban environment, something in your, you know, in your experience and in suburban environments, in your experience. Now the suburban piece of the story is hugely interesting. And I think is really going to surprise people because guess what? In suburbia, in the United States, that's where diversity is really happening in the 21st century. Right. So where our, our story, our big suburban story is 30 miles North of Seattle. And, you know, there's 23,000 households in that district and they're work, doing deep work to get it right for gifted in that district, there are 94 languages spoken in the homes of those 23,000 households, okay? That wow. is a hugely diverse, you know, set of people living in suburbia, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. there are more states than not in this country that actually look and feel and, and are like that, right? And so mm-hmm. that's the new America. And that, that didn't just happen overnight, right? That's been happening for decades. Mm-hmm. And that's the century we find ourselves in. And that's why there's so much upheaval around equity, right? Because, because the actual student body has changed, right, in these classrooms. And so the schools and the school districts are sort of catching up with that who's really in the room, Right. Mm-hmm. And when you start to look at who is in the room. Right. And you're like, mm-hmm. hmm, there's all these trans kids in the room. Like suddenly you can't ignore the fact that there are trans kids in the room. Right. Now, that may right. not be an easy revelation for, you know, for every cisgender leader to sort of lean into who might be on a school board. But doesn't that child have the right to be met where they are and have their experience valued and validated and and also mm-hmm. to be treated equally and respectfully with every other child that might be in the room and ha- that has their identity yes. and their lived experience honored and respected. So, so we know yes. that there's inequities there in how we perceive different students, and and that's the reality of the sort of you know the kind of social contract that is education mm-hmm. in this country. And so, so many p- parents of gifted kids wind up taking their kids out and trying to get their needs met elsewhere, and and that's also a part of the story. And yeah. and just to kind of bring it back you know, to the focus of your amazing podcast is this idea of parents, right? So parents yeah. are so often the engine of this for this movie mm-hmm. and this movement. We have met countless parents, both mothers and fathers, who are the champions of their kids, right? And sort of mm-hmm. fight like hell to get it right for their child. So much so that they have a sort of series of epiphanies along the, the way that or move from trauma to empowerment, right? That they Mm -hmm. suddenly can actually do something more for not just their own family, but for other families like their family, right? So that's the movement that we see in the G word where you have a impulse on one mom to start a homeschooling group that then becomes a micro school that then scales into several micro schools. And suddenly there's a network of those schools, right? Right, And these, this is a beautiful expression of how, parents do what parents do very well, which is meet their kids where they are and and try to create social structures that support that in yeah. general, yeah. right? And so yeah. I think that that's the, the parental piece is such an important part of the, of the G word. And it's then the parents are a beautiful part of the movie. And we're, you know, mm-hmm. we're really proud mm-hmm. of that. I'm so proud of that. I am not a parent, but I am, you know, 
very involved uncle. My nieces are in their 20s and I've watched them grow up. And, you know, I and I know how how hard it can be to parent, you know, a, a child in the 21st century. And I've seen and my mm-hmm. friends have, have kids and, I, you know, I'm, I know that that's a hugely important piece of the work that we're doing with this movie is so parents yes. can actually feel validated and not. I mean, it, there's nothing more horrific than being a parent and you feel like you're doing your job right. And then the teacher or the principal or the, the school district says, no, you're doing it wrong. And right. what I what right. I believe and I, I think a lot of people hope for this is that. The home and the school are really a system in service of each child, right? And when that mm-hmm. system breaks down, you know, how do you support those two stakeholders, home and school, to be in conversation with each other? Well, the ratio is quite uneven, right? You know, it's typically a two-parent household, a mom and dad, a mom and mom, a dad and a dad, you know, trying to fit into a framework where there's might be a classroom of 30 or 40 kids, Right. And so right. that uneven ratio makes it really hard for homeschool systems to be, you know, equitable, right? So in that yes. challenging environment, what can we do as communities? Well, you know, we can show up and make the right kind of supportive noise as opposed to like just noise, right? And understand right. that, you know, like the school board is something to be involved in and passionate about, To you know, that the the school experience of your child and other children are equally important. Um, that mm-hmm. when, when more children do better and are discovered and their giftedness and potential encouraged, our society does better. Right. And so, uh, so yes, it's, it yes. just, it, it, it yes. always comes back to that for me. Like, like how can it, how can helping all these kids over here be bad for your child? Right. Like that. Right. And that, that sort of idea that there's just not enough to go around is a part of the American story of giftedness that is also a part of the education right. story of this nation. That is really hard, you know, and, and I don't, you know, I'm not saying my movie is going to answer all the questions, but we're going to give it our, give it our best shot to c- provide a meaningful tapestry of stories that really help us think about those questions in ways that I hope are, are pretty deep and pretty responsibly um, executed. What is your ultimate hope for the impact of the G word movie? Well, number one, we got to get the movie done, right? So that's the first and foremost <laughs> yeah, like, goal. That'll right? help. Yes, yeah, yes, that'll, yes. That, that's, you know, and then we can really sort of have a, a, a product that will sort of be the public facing thing that I hope to do something with, right? Um, I have kind of two dreams for it that are my ultimate goal. Um, on the one hand, sort of commercial success or mainstream facing success and what that could look like, you know, is a lot of different versions of that. But, you know, yes. Do I want it on a streaming service? Yes. Do I want it on a broadcast network? Yes, of course I do. I want eyeballs on this movie. I want like, a great movie that commands the distributors to want to acquire it and buy it and put it on their channel and or put it on their, their streaming service or put it on their network so we can get the most possible eyeballs to connect with these stories. That'll be a win for awareness, right? Mm-hmm. But that's mm-hmm. not going to create the impact narrative that I've, I've been talking about with you today. So the, the other dream is how do we do that work, right? In a way that is really interesting and really engaged. And my vision for that is what I call a roadshow, right? And maybe it's a 50 state roadshow, right? And we take three months to do it or six months to do it. And we go to every state across this great nation and we use the film as a kind of convening opportunity for different sized communities in different states 
to have their moment around this issue, right? So the movie screens, we have a talk back where the panel, where I'm there, where people from the film are there, but when the local community is also helping to curate an event that is locally relevant for that community, right? And, yes. and because one thing that I've seen, and I know you know, and that folks who work in this space understand is that gifted is local. That's even a hashtag we use in some of our social posts, hashtag gifted is local. And what we mean mm-hmm. by that is that is that giftedness is sometimes so local that it is down to the school, right? In your zip code mm-hmm. at your school, right? And if in that school, your principal gets gifted and supports it and wants to develop right, it, right. like all bets are on for gifted and twice exceptional yeah. kids in that school. If the principal right. doesn't, all bets are off, right? Yeah. And so yeah. our goal with the impact work is to, is to show more schools than not of different kinds like that there's benefits to having all bets are on, right? Nice. And and nice. so if we can do a roadshow, I mean, I've done this with other movies. It's called a community screenings tour, right? And you mm-hmm. use the movie to kind of have a moment in each each community where it's, you know, the movie will get reviewed on the entertainment page, right? It hopefully will show on, you know, show on Netflix, show on Hulu, show somewhere like that and get reviewed. But then what about moving it over to what I call the awareness page or the think page where where editorials are being written about gifted education in America and how we serve these kids, how we discover these kids. That's really the, that's really ultimately the goal. And and of course, if the film is commercially successful, touch wood, we hope, then it will have more prospects of having that impact story. Right. So, so the two are kind of, the two are woven together um, and they're kind of hand in hand as a strategy. And, and uh, you know, fingers and toes crossed. You know, twenty twenty three maybe our year to, to get it out there. But uh, but we're yeah we're Pulling. we're kind of you yeah. know right you know right now I'm I'm working through a pretty sort of challenging set of things in the editing process where you know the job of weaving together these six stories we have to get that right we have to get that clear right and there's yep. there's yep. one sort of main narrative that is sort of the through line of that maybe I'll call it the spine of the movie for for your listeners mm-hmm. to understand and that spine has to be clear and strong and it's yep. getting there it's not quite there um, but yep. we're getting closer and closer each week and uh, you know, talk to me at Christmas. We might we might have something. That, you know, that's that's where I hope it will be. But it's uh, um, we're all working very hard to make sure that this is the best movie it can possibly be when it's done. Awesome, awesome, and we're so grateful. Thank you. All right, Mark. Well, it's time for the parent footprint moment question. Here we yes. go. Tell us about a time that you became aware of yourself as an individual, an awareness of your nieces or nephews, or an awareness of your parents, and that new awareness had a positive impact on your own life and those you love? Well, yeah, you, you told me about that question in advance, so I am prepared. Yes. And I, I was yes. sort of like, you know, I think, I, I think I've got the answer that I want to share. And it's, it, you know, it's, not, it's not a light story, right? So, um, but it is one I want to share because it's been a hugely important and defining part of who I am. Um, you know, I have I had always been extremely close with my parents. My mom and dad were amazing, you know, really huge and important presence in my life. Um, and, you know, I mean, everyone loves their parents, you know, when, 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 it, when that goes well. Um, but when I was 44, um, my parents died um, 11 days apart from each other. Oh, wow. And I had wow. a huge season of tragedy in my life. And, you know, that's it. Basically, that story is a mini series, like we have to sit around, you know, and have some mm-hmm. cocktails to tell mm-hmm. you the whole story. Um, 
But it was a hugely traumatic thing in my life to lose them 11 days apart the way I did and wrapped around by so much tragedy. Um, I am Jewish and, you know, I was back to back funerals, back to back shivas, you know, doing that sort of thing that that my community has taught me how to do to make sense of, you know, these difficult, traumatic times of chaos. Um, But I learned a lot about myself through that very dark time in my life. And I have no regrets around sort of how that all went down. Um, and I, here I am, you know, it is, you know, nine, more than nine years later. And in some ways I am still processing the pain and the grief that I suffered, you know, in ways mm-hmm. that, you know, continue to influence my life and kind of continue to give me a sense of purpose. You know, I do a lot of things in their honor. I do a lot of things to sort of, you know, you know, in remembrance of them and sort of to sort of give them a sense of, of legacy that, you know, they gave me a life that was so rich with opportunity that I could actually become this person that I am. Like, I mean, the fact mm-hmm. that I am a, you know, successful independent filmmaker, you know, they were a huge part of making that possible for me because they yeah. they believed in me. They gave unconditional love. They, they knew they had a complex queer kid, you know, who was gifted in front of them and they supported that exploration and they believed in, in sort of mm-hmm. me kind of, you know, finding my own sense of self in my own way, in my own time. I always tell this funny story. So um, for those of your, you know, for those of your listeners who are of a certain age, you know, I was, I was a gifted kid. I was very high achieving. You know, we used to joke that everything I touched turned to gold. Like you give something to Mark and he would bring it back and it would be five stars. Right. Um, When the Iran Contra, um, sorry, the, uh, the Iran hostage crisis happened when the Iran in the the 1970s in in the uh, Carter administration, I um, I negotiated with my parents to be able to watch a late night news program that was coming on every night at 1130 called Nightline, because I felt it was mm-hmm. extremely important to be informed in this about this crisis on a daily basis and that I could right. take that that nightly information, you know, to school the next day to talk to other students about. So I was nine years old, when eight or nine years old when this happened. Right. So um, imagine you're, you know, your gifted kid who's hungry for knowledge, yep. loves the news, like wants to be so informed on you know, uh, around uh, current events that they show up and you're, I, 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 mommy, daddy, I would like to stay up to 1130. Well, they were long asleep. And there I am in the living room, like glued to the TV set, watching Nightline every night because I needed to know, you know, beat by beat, you know, what was happening in the world yep. in this horrible crisis. Right. And, and in some ways I'm still a news junkie, like, you know, to this day, all these many decades later, but, but I guess, you know, what I'll say is that those are two different moments in my life, something from childhood, something yeah. from adulthood, that really affirmed for me how important our parents are, right? Whoever your parents are, yeah. if you have a mom and a dad, two moms, two dads, a trans mom and a trans dad, whatever, right? Like mommy and daddy are there and they're in front of you and they are your everything for a reason, right? And, yeah. and you know, my wish for anyone who's listening, who's a parent who struggles with their child, that they can understand that all they can do is their best, right? And that there are all these forces that are kind of there to conspire against this sort of the parenting story that there's no perfect parenting story, right? Not in this kind of right. planet with these kinds of complexities, right. right? Like you're in it to win it, you're doing your best, you keep showing up for your child, and that yeah. child will find his, her, their way. I believe that in my heart of hearts. And I am a perfect yeah. living example in my 50s of someone who benefited from that kind of unconditional support. Uh, and two amazing yeah. parents who totally got me and just 
loved who this crazy, wonderful child was in front of them. You know, I, I'm, you know, I probably yeah. in a lot of ways was not what they expected. Right. And mm-hmm. they just leaned into it and they were loving and they celebrated who I, who I was right in front of them. And, and as such, I am empowered yeah. you know, as an adult. Wow. So I'm great, grateful for that. So that's my answer. I hope Thank it works. You. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, well, thank you for sharing. Um, the loss, um, it never goes away. Um, and you're honoring them and telling the story is honoring them and yeah, um, yeah. inspirational I mean, to so many parents to just know, to just lean in. Like you said, lean in. We don't always get what we thought we were going to get. And the humans are just as important and special and there for a reason and just lean in. Lean yeah, in. I think I think my parents would be proud of the G Word documentary and the deep work that we've yeah. done around it and what it's trying to do yeah. in the world and and I think they would be delighted that their gifted kid yeah. who was so fun and wacky in front of them at age seven, eight, nine years old is this, the kid that emerges to yeah. actually make this documentary. So, uh, so awesome, awesome. Well, Mark, tell everyone where they can find the shorts, where they can find everything about GTN Week and more, because we have a li- you have a library of information. Yeah, so it's our website, right? That's that's kind of where you can begin your your connection with us and your sense of discovery around who we are and how we do it. And it is thegwordfilm.com, right? So thegwordfilm.com. Um, we're on social. Uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We do great stuff on all three, thanks to our social media lead, Daniel Holke, who's also one of my co-producers. And we really celebrate, use our social and our newsletter and our kind of online presence and our digital work to celebrate all of you, all of our advisors, our partners, and all the communities that you're all working to represent and, and do important work in service of. So, so connect with us there. Sign up for our newsletter. Um, as you mentioned, Dan, we have six short films that I've made while making the movie. They're all on our website, so you can watch them there. And they're really, they're free, and they're 56 minutes of short films that you can sit and watch at home anytime. And and for me, that was such an important part of my journey as a filmmaker on this one, because along the way, I need to make those shorts to figure out what movie am I making? What story am I telling? So you'll kind of see, you'll get a little bit yeah. of a kind of a view on the filmmaker's journey with those six shorts, and you'll also get a kind of a peek into what the movie hopes to be about out. And then there are links to all of our incredible resources. So our webinars, our GTN Awareness Week programming, you know, uh, we have something called hashtag my gifted story that you can engage with if you're out there and you want to submit your photo and, and celebrate your gifted story. So there's there's lots of ways to engage with us. And we're always coming up with new and fun stuff to, you know, kind of connect, connect the dots for people. But main thing, we want to hear from you. If you write me an email and you tell me something about your life and what's going on with gifted in your community, I would love to hear from you. I, I, I really love hearing from the audience. And I know yeah. that this is going to be a really special yeah. uh, kind of communal journey when the movie is actually done and, and out and shared with folks that so we'll all be in this journey together. So, Yes. Well, I continue to send uh, my support my excitement uh for this process and um i know you're getting there and i know it is a process so uh, we all can't wait uh and for everyone check out those shorts they are powerful i mean you just need to sit down for six to eight minutes for one or you know one and then the next and it's just it's powerful and uh it opens your mind and your heart that's it everyone thank you mark so glad we finally did this um Let's celebrate GTN, neurodiverse 
Awareness Week. And uh, let's all go out there and let's all lean in. Thank you all for listening. Please share this with everyone that you think will benefit. We so welcome you into our community here at Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. We love your five-star reviews. They make a difference. Do your best to be that person you want your child to become and ask yourself the guiding question I ask myself each day. What footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Strummerman, composed and performed by ProTunes. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Follow Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show.